The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame-themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622. Hey guys, Nathan here from the Golden Homers podcast. When I'm cooking dinner or grilling on the weekends, I want to use what great chefs use in their steakhouses, exceptional quality meats. Meetup Vegas is my hookup. Meetupvegas.com. That's M-E-A-T, meet, meetupvegas.com. Their specialty meat packs come with veal cutlet, pork chops, and extra meaty pork baby back ribs or prime rib. And you already know meetupvegas.com is known for its unreal steaks. All the meat is individually vacuum sealed to maintain absolute freshness for 200 plus days in your freezer. And it's cheaper than you think. Check it out now at meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your first order. It's over, and the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Second and goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finding McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. What's going on, Irish fans? We have a fun episode for you guys today. Obviously, Notre Dame with a huge win over Clemson this past weekend. Myself and Mason were both in attendance. We were sitting next to each other. We got kind of rowdy at times, different things like that, but it was fun. We both got to rush the field, which I think was sort of a bucket list item for for the both of us going into any Notre Dame game, obviously when they play a big opponent, but just something that we've probably both have wanted to do for for a long, long time and um, got to experience that with, with each other and some other people, and it was a, a good moment. But like I said, Notre Dame beats Clemson 35-14. to 14. Honestly felt like worse than that at times. It was 28-0 at one point, 35-7. Clemson scores with, you know, whatever, a minute, two left. Um, you know, on the clock to make it 35 to 14, but uh, Notre Dame dominated in all facets and we'll, we'll break that down for you. We have some recruiting talk, obviously Notre Dame landed a big commitment today in 2024 cornerback Carson Hobbs out of Ohio, Bishop Moeller um, obviously has been kind of Notre Dame in the past. And uh, he's currently a three-star corner, but I think me and Mason both agree that he, there is definitely some bigger upside there. And a guy that coach Mickens and the, the defensive staff really wanted uh, we'll, we'll break down some Navy for you. Um, it was also National Signing Day today for all sports beyond essentially football. So basketball, um, you know, baseball, N- name a sport that you like at Notre Dame. And there were definitely people signing on campus. But uh, we'll, we'll probably break down a little bit of the uh, the basketball for you as well. And then do our, our normal segments where we, like I said, we talk Navy and then we will um, do our bold predictions and, and different things like that. But uh, Mason, how are you doing today? Obviously fun weekend for the both, both of me and you, but uh, – we're diving back into it now. Yeah, uh, definitely fun to recap. What was an awesome weekend. Uh, you and I were excited to to just be in South Bend, be on campus, and even go to the game. Uh, you and I both picked Clemson. We're on some Clemson spaces, kind of hyping them up. And I think that was warranted. That's a really good Clemson team. But Notre Dame made them look foolish uh, throughout the entire game. So just an all-around all amazing performance from Notre Dame. I think that you and I, you know, we are the golden homers. We – uh, can be homers at times. Just, I mean, that's your team, right? But at the same time, keeping it realistic with how good Clemson really is. And 
I mean, the least likely circumstance was Notre Dame to win in a blowout. You, you know, most likely with Clemson winning close, Notre Dame winning close, and it would have been possible if things go right for Clemson to win in a blowout, Notre Dame doing this big game thing. But they're kind of erasing that that stigma with uh, with this kind of performance that everyone saw in prime time. And being there was just unbelievable. I didn't anticipate coming into the stadium that I would leave it uh, coming off the field and going through the players tunnel. But uh, that's that's the crazy the crazy way things happen in college football, especially in Notre Dame. So just an amazing game. Yeah, uh, you said it in the beginning. We got a little bit rowdy. Uh, me specifically, so uh, <clears throat> sober rowdy too. That's the best kind. Having a great time in the stands. Not very many Clemson fans. I think like eighty to twenty probably. There were a couple around us. I was letting them have it. Uh, I'm glad they flew all the way out to see their team get stomped. That was a good time. I think you said it best at the very beginning where it seems like every year or whenever Notre Dame beats a good team. Um, it, well, going into the matchup, it's always like Notre Dame has no shot. And then when they do win, it's always like the team was overrated. So um, you've already kind of seen that a little bit on social media and through other other fans, even Clemson fans, honestly, saying oh, our team really wasn't that good this year. And I've said all along, I think I told you guys, told you this, you know, multiple times this week, I would care more about that stigma if Notre Dame wasn't what, six and three, if they were, you know, eight and one, nine and oh, or something like that, then maybe I'd be like, okay, I'd push back on that a little bit, but I just really don't care. It was a fun atmosphere. Everybody I've talked to that has, that goes to Notre Dame games, uh, specifically home games more often than I'm able to get to. They say it was the best atmosphere they've been in in a long time. Um, I know you can pretty much vouch for that. You, you try to get to a couple every year, but um, specifically from the big, the big uh, game, talk I mean I whenever I get to make it to South Bend I usually make it to a game where they're projected to win by a lot and uh yeah no going back to your point I mean I don't know it's such a weird it was such a weird night because obviously me and you both picked Clemson like you said but then as the game you know starts and you get on like I start kind of feeling Notre Dame a little bit and their offensive line just played so damn well probably the best performance their offensive line has played in a big game you know honestly pre-Brian Kelly um, cause it seemed like whenever they, and this was actually one thing we hopped on a Clemson spaces, uh, what was it the day before the game or a day or two before the game. And one of my big things was, is Notre Dame can never run the ball this well against the great teams on their schedule. And they, they did it. And Clemson arguably has the best defensive line in all of college football. Yes, they were out they were without Xavier Thomas, but I think that's kind of a, if you want to use that excuse, then, you know, so be it. But I don't think many people are, and they they kind of just bullied them. I mean, Joe Alt, Jarrett Patterson, Zeke Carell, Josh Lug, Blake Fisher, all across the line um, deserve major props for, you know, opening up holes for Audrey Gestime and Logan Diggs and Chris Tyree and, you know, giving Drew Pine time. I know he didn't, you know, necessarily have his, the greatest performance out there, but he certainly held his own, didn't turn the football over, made a few big plays here and there, specifically a few good running plays out of him. Um, at times and that, that one really nice pass that he had to uh, I think it was what Jaden Thomas and and then Jaden Thomas made a nice play so just all around a really good performance you'd like to see the passing game get a little bit better and I, I mean unfortunately I don't think we're going to probably see that as the year goes on it was something that maybe we see next year um, whether it's Tyler Buckner or a transfer QB starting but but yeah I'm here blabbing a little bit but it was just such a such a crazy experience and uh, one that if anybody was there I mean even watching it on TV it's not something you're going to forget for for a while. No as you were kind of talking there I was thinking of best atmospheres I've personally intended 
that was the best one for me for sure. But I'm thinking the only thing that even comes remotely close was, I don't even remember what year it was, the year that Sam Darnold and USC came to Notre Dame and he was supposed to be the Heisman and just shut him down. It was like 42 to 14 or something crazy. So that that was probably second best, but it, Notre Dame Clemson just from this past Saturday blows it out of the water. So much fun. Uh, yeah, just an overall, just a great performance and can't talk enough about it. I'll, I'll jump on anybody's podcast space, anything. I want to talk about this forever. Yeah, I think for me that honestly, the I, I go back to a USC game I attended as well. And ironically enough, it wasn't on Notre Dame's campus. So if you eliminate the Notre Dame campus atmosphere that I always enjoy being at, um, the 2012 USC game at USC was overrun by Notre Dame fans. People were chanting Manti Teo in the stands and stuff like that. And, and obviously that was just a crazy season specifically for him and you know, the defense in general. So that was probably the second best atmosphere I've been in um, the USC one being that, but the, but this one was pretty crazy. And the fact that we got to rush the field afterwards was kind of made it even that more surreal. Yeah. Everything after the game, <laughs> Not necessarily a shit show, but kind of. Me and Nathan, I mean, I don't know how many of you guys have met us in person, but neither of us are small guys. And there was moments where we were both floating. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a wild thing to to say. I mean, we're both over six foot, about two bills. We're not small guys. And uh, to be floating off, <laughs> on the field and then getting out of the stadium through the one exit was crazy. You know, 50,000 people all pushing towards one tunnel that does not fit 50,000 people was crazy. Um, got to meet up with Tom Loy for a drink afterwards, which is cool hearing his perspective of things. Got to meet Will Shipley. That was a cool thing. And then after that, um, we managed to lose the car. So uh, walking around for an hour trying to find my car. Um, the things on Twickenham near Notre Dame look very different in the daytime compared to nighttime. Uh, we both thought we had an idea of where the car was, was not there. So um, I ended up finding it mercifully after, you know, Maybe not an hour, but it felt like it, and right. uh, yeah, that it was rough. But uh, we were both in uh, in good spirits to uh, <laughs> to continue to search for it. Yeah, yeah. So got the tailgate with uh, with Ian Book and a couple. Oh other, yeah, uh, mostly Ian Book, but then a couple other guys like Julian Love, Miles Boinkin, Nick Wisher, all kind of stopped by as the as that tailgate went on. Um, that was that was pretty fun because we got to have some good conversations with them, and I don't feel like we bombarded them with you know asking for pictures or anything like that. But it was kind of funny the. Uh, outside of that what other people were doing while we were while we were having those conversations so just a fun weekend all around but are we ian book's best friends i you know according to tom Loy, we might be so <laughs> um but yeah no i wanted to obviously great weekend want to get into the recruiting aspect of that weekend as well um notre dame essentially had their entire 2023 class in attendance i know a few guys like dylan edwards was at the kansas state game but it's being reported that he's essentially still locked in with notre dame um, I, I'm sure he somewhat regrets not being at that that game specifically for that atmosphere. Um, I know Jaden Greathouse was supposed to be in attendance as well. His flight got canceled, so he wasn't able to make it. Rico Flores, um, crap, I'm kind of I'm I'm probably missing a few that weren't there, but the majority of their class um, was there, and then I believe all of their 2024 commits were there including the newest 2024 commit, Carson Hobbs, who was not a commit at the time. Um, I mentioned him, obviously, at the start of the, the episode, but a 2024 cornerback, 6'1", 180, out of Bishop Moeller High School in, in Ohio. Um, and that's a school that's been very kind to Notre Dame. And like I said, me and you both are, are high on him. And 
obviously there was a few other kids um, that were in attendance, maybe none bigger than, than Peyton Bowen, who is a Notre Dame commit and uh, hopefully locked in with Notre Dame after that performance. Yeah, we got to, uh, we were by the player walk, got to see the future of the program, CJ Carr walking in with everybody. It was kind of cool. Um, yeah, getting to see all those guys in person is pretty neat, seeing them take in the whole atmosphere. Didn't see Peyton Bowen personally myself, but uh, I understand he was on the player walk along with the other 2023 guys, which is not something Notre Dame usually does. So I don't even know if that's really allowed, if that's a thing. It's certainly different. Usually they're in that just outside the gate and they see everybody walk in, but they did the walk too, which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, watching Tom Lloyd do his thing with his fancy camera is kind of cool watching him uh, him do his job. So certainly, uh, certainly a good time there. And we ended up right back in that same spot after the game. Uh, got to see some some players and people don't realize like it's easy to you know see the guys on on TV and critique them or whatever but like Prince Collie's a massive dude we saw him after the game and just in like a tracksuit my god like and he wouldn't consider him even close to the biggest guy on the team but he is ripped yeah no it's football's a completely different sport when it comes to that kind of stuff I mean obviously in basketball you get those like lengthy dudes but they're always kind of skinny and whatnot and football you get like the six two behemoths and and different things like that so it's fun but a couple other guys that were in attendance caleb smith decommitted from texas tech um probably what a day or two before that game happened made his official visit to notre dame obviously has not committed or anything like that to notre dame at least publicly right now but um, i would say notre dame has a pretty good shot with him um khalil barnes we got to see him up close in person um during the player walk as well um, really nice hair. Got got some good flow going on there. But uh for sure. Sweet but, letter jacket too. Yep, yep. And a kid that, you know, probably going into the game was sort of considered maybe more of a Clemson lean coming out of the game. He's actually getting some some Notre Dame steam. I know uh Steve Wolfarm has a I think a crystal ball in for him to go to Notre Dame. And obviously if you're gonna go to a if you're gonna go to a game with against with your two top schools playing each other and one just completely dominates the other like that. You know, you got to think that that helps and works in your favor. Obviously, plenty of other 2020. I mean, those are a couple of the 2023 guys that were in attendance, but plenty of really impressive 2024, 2025. I mean, even 2026, and I think a top-notch, or at least a considered a top-notch 2027 kid, um, not even in high school yet, was was there. So um, that's when it starts. It's so crazy. Eighth graders. So it wasn't, you know, maybe the biggest weekend for Notre Dame from a recruiting standpoint in regards to 2023 official visits and different things like that, but definitely just rounding out the class, getting a few guys in there that they really like. Um, and then obviously getting some of those like top notch 20, like I said, 2024 and 2025, I guess, leave that specifically in there as those two, um, you know, they, they have some, some guys that they're probably, you know, gaining steam with. I know Nias Williams was in attendance. He's a guy that I think Notre Dame probably lands um, in the long run. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, without even naming a bunch of guys, it's, it was a, it was a good weekend from that regard. Well, I think it's good that it doesn't need to be this massive weekend because the class is just about filled out. Notre Dame wasn't relying on this weekend to be something just crazy. They didn't really need that. So if anything, it's just keeping everybody together, having a weekend for all the guys to be together, enjoy a huge win, one of the one of the biggest in recent memory. It had to be an awesome, awesome experience for all of them to be together, picturing, you know, themselves, each other, you know, on that field next year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
we've I know we didn't really dive too much into the actual game itself, but I mean it was kind of self-explanatory, I think, for people that were there. I mean, it was just running the ball down their throats the entire game. Couple couple nice passes here and there. Michael Mayer got to break the uh, tight end touchdown record um at Notre Dame, along with tying his own single season record that I think he's gonna break. So I think right now he has what 16 touchdowns in his career. He has 14 over the last two seasons, still has three prob most likely four games. To, to surpass that probably does it this weekend against Navy. Um, hopefully we get to see some Angeli against Navy. I think we, ironically enough, we weren't expecting it, but we almost saw it against Clemson. If maybe if the, the defense makes that one more stop, they, they, they did it. Would love to see him get some action, but you know, you pointed this out last week and even during the game, you'd hate to see Angeli's first, first action of college football be against Clemson. And I don't know if we were expecting it to be this, like where his first action would be in a blowout against Clemson, which almost happened, but it would be nice to see, you know, Notre Dame be up like 35, nothing on Navy going into the third quarter or something like that. And then Angeli gets to play the whole second half just to kind of see what we have in him uh, moving forward. That would certainly be ideal. I'm just thinking about like, can you imagine saying before the season, Angeli doesn't play against UNLV, Marshall, Stanford, Nope, his first action comes when Notre Dame is dog walking Clemson. <laughs> I that just that's crazy. This this season's been a ton of fun, but also terrifying all in the same. Uh, we'll, we're gonna look back on this and just remember just the ups and downs, the roller coaster. But yeah, I'd imagine he has if must he has to play against maybe. I don't even know. It's, it, obviously, it's not a priority for the staff, but I'll I'll say it every week until it happens because Drew Pine's a small guy and I'm not wishing injury on him, but. He takes big shots sometimes, like especially that late hit that he took that Marcus Freeman took flipped out about. A couple really big shots against Clemson, yeah. One on the sideline, um, yeah. He he takes some big shots, and no questioning his toughness. There's a lot of quarterbacks that be out after that, but you know, just it's only going to take one until it's Angeli that's in without any experience. So hopefully right. he plays this week. Notre Dame should be comfortably up, like you said, at halftime, and let Angeli. <laughs> At least the very minimum, the whole fourth quarter, please, and let him throw it. I don't want to just handoffs. Yeah, so that's kind of my hope is that they're up. You know, they don't have this kind of layover um, or hangover, I should say. And then, you know, hopefully they're up, you know, 28, 35, nothing at half or something like that to where, like I said, Angeli can essentially get the entire second half because I'd love to see it. And it's nothing against Pine. It's just, you know, you, you like to see it possibly for someone who can compete for the job next year and, um, or just if they need him this year, like you mentioned, I mean, Pine's not the biggest guy. If he were to take a hit against, you know, for example, USC, you know, you'd love to see him. You'd love to see Angeli have some snaps under his belt before he has to come into that game. And, you know, I think right now we're at least fairly confident that Notre Dame should be eight and three going into that last game. And, you know, with the way that they handled Clemson, I mean, USC is definitely not an opponent that Notre Dame should be scared of. I know that they're a good team good offense, much better offense than Clemson provides um, quarterback and receivers and just different things like that, that have much more confidence and I guess overall ability um, than what the Cle what Clemson showed on, on Saturday night. But at the same time, if Notre Dame can, I think have a really good chance of controlling time of possession against USC and, you know, maybe they win 10 games this year, which would be something we weren't expecting when they started out 0-2 or losing to Stanford, um, for example. So when again to Navy, have you, have you had a chance to kind of do some over-unders for us? I can come up with some. All right, cool. Let's do bold predictions real quick before, and then we'll get get into some over under. So you have a few minutes to think there, but yeah. All right, my first bold prediction really goes into what I just said about Steve Angeli. I think it's going to be. I think he's going to throw his first couple passes 
in a Notre Dame uniform. Say touchdown. Um, say it. No. Say it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Call me stubborn, if you will, but I'm not doing it. I'm going to say he, he throws his first couple passes in a Notre Dame uniform this weekend. Maybe that's not bold, but I think it's bold enough considering he hasn't done it yet. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm going to say it then. I'm going to – if you aren't, I will. He's throwing yeah. his first touchdown, and it's going to be to hold and stays. How about that? Freshman to freshman, huh? The victory lap I'm going to take when that happens. Oh, man. <clears throat> Everybody listen. Mark this down. I would love Enjoy it. Enjoy the stays. Well, at that you point, at that point, if he's in, I mean, you could argue that Mayor will be out. You know, oh, yeah. You know, Merriweather's probably getting significant play time then. I mean, you probably got – you'll probably have, like – Merriweather, Colsey, and Salerno lined up all in just to get them more playing time and different things like that. You, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe with the receivers, you have to keep them in because Styles obviously hasn't had the best year, so you just got to keep his confidence, um, you know, up and and going hopefully. And but whatever, I, I could I could totally see that. Um, or maybe a Mitchell Evans touchdown, um, as well. Mitchell Palooza, I could see something like that happening. I like but, that. Or I doubt they do the fake this week, but we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. Like, there's got to be some other play that's with that, with that, um, that tight end sneak. But maybe you just don't worry about it against a team like maybe you save that for USC or, or something. Well, Marcus said something about it in the press conference. He said they didn't get to do Mitchell but they were looking forward to doing something different out of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Love that. Lo- love that because I think I think it is, and it's funny how it's become a big thing. Not only with Notre Dame, but all over. I mean, I see it in the NFL. Cole Komet had a, um, had, had a, had a sneak the other day. Um, Durham Smythe did it with Miami. So a bunch of Notre Dame tight ends in the NFL are doing it, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I could, uh, I could definitely see something, but I hope you'd hope that you save it for a better team because you don't want it to go to waste. For sure. Um, you ready for over under? Sure thing. All right, um, let's go over or under 250 yards rushing on the day for Notre Dame. Man. I feel like 250 is a lot. It's a lot only because I do think it's going to be a game that's not, you know, like they're not going to – it's not going to be competitive enough to get there. But at the same time, then you can argue that maybe they just keep running the football and keep Navy, keep Navy off the field and – um, you know, maybe save some energy because they don't want those chop blocks and different things like that happen to their defensive line. So the more it can you be can... limited possessions too. Right, right. So the more you can just run it down their throat. But I'm going to go under. Um, I say they get around the 200 mark because um, they'll get up to a big enough lead where, you know, like I say, SMA and Diggs and Tyree kind of do their thing in the backfield. But at some, I mean, this might be a game where you see Payne, um, Jabron Payne in there at some point, which Love would be that. nice. Remember what was it last year when we, me and you were both at Georgia Tech, and that was the first time we saw Audric Estime. Oh yeah, hurdling fools. Right, could totally see that being a situation this this week where fourth quarter essentially belongs to Angeli and Payne, and you see Payne in the backfield, and he runs, you know, has a couple big runs there, and then maybe we're talking about him being a dude for him next year or something like that. But, um, but yeah, no, I'll say barely. I'll say I'll say slightly under two fifty, um, but around that two hundred marker. I'm going to say over just because I think that Notre Dame comes out guns blazing, trying to pick up, pick up where they left off. Maybe they start to throw it a little bit, but then the fourth quarter is essentially running, running the clock out, running the ball. And I think they get over 250. I'm going to say they end up closer to 300. Um, and then my second one here, sticking with the offense, over or under 38 and a half total points. I didn't check what the actual implied point total is, but that seems about right to me. You mean like just for Notre Dame? Yeah. 
that do they go over 38 and a half? Yeah. I'll say, yeah, I think they kind of just keep the good times rolling um, this week. And, you know, like I, I just don't see Navy having a response to them. Um, you know, especially if they're able, like I said, to kind of keep them off the field, running the ball, they're going to be able to, to score. I think this is a week where Notre Dame maybe doesn't punt at all. Um, or gets close to, or maybe only like one one punt, but like you said, limited possessions. But I think Notre Dame's going to score on essentially all of their possessions this week. So um, it's just one of those matchups where in certain years, like you kind of worry about Navy because of the way that they can stop you or the or the, Notre, the way that Notre Dame's offense is driven. But this year with it just being such a dominant offensive line and a really good running game, I just don't see really much of a scenario where where Navy's able to to stop them at all. And so I think, yeah, I think they get over that 38 and a half. I think I'm with you there. I'm anticipating just barely getting over 38. Wouldn't surprise me again if there was a special teams or a defensive touchdown in there. The Navy's trotting out their backup quarterback. Wasn't a great offense to begin with. Very easily forcing fumbles, interceptions for a guy that doesn't throw a lot. Remember just a few years ago, my boy Paul Mwala taking that pitch to the house. That was super cool. Only game I ever was in for the uh, Notre Dame press box, by the way, uh, which is really fun. But yeah, that was an awesome game. That was like the Claypool, like five touchdown or four touchdown day or something. That was really fun too. But yeah, I'm going to take over on 38 and a half points for the for Notre Dame, uh, I guess for the team, but offensively, I think they are able to score quite a bit on Navy. Um, Navy is not a good team. They can cause you some issues at times, but hopefully they just pick up where they left off. But we don't really ever know what we're going to see with this team anymore. But I will take the over. Yeah, no, I've been calling this team bipolar for a couple weeks now. And with that said, I do think they've kind of hit, turned a corner. And I think beating a team like Clemson just gives you like this confidence that, um, you know, like I think they're I think they're ready for the next few weeks. They realize that they had those letdowns against you know Marshall and Stanford and even some other letdowns um, where the team where the games weren't you know they they won but they weren't games that show close as they were Cal UNLV they didn't look very impressive so um, but no I mean they just, just seem to be clicking right now and um, I think this is a game where maybe not even just for this year's perspective but as we move forward um, in the Marcus Freeman area the era this is a game that kind of just gets this program um, going and, and off to new heights. So um, yeah, I'll go over. And then I guess I'll start with my, my, I guess my score prediction, my score prediction, I'm going to go 45. So I'm going to say they repeat the 45 number. Um, I think it's actually will be the, if they do it, it'd be the third time this year they've gotten to 45, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they? Do they scored 35 last week, right? My bad. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Um, so no, I'll say they get to 45. It'd be the second time. Cause I think they got to 45 against UNC. And then like UNLV, they were off that by like one or two points or something like that. I forgot if it was like 43 or 44, but um, I will say 45. They score on most, if not all of their possessions. Cause like you said, it's going to have this limited possessions, but what would that be? Eight, eight, nine touchdowns. Am I? Yeah. What is that? Eight puts them at 56. What am I? Am I? I can't do anything. Am I? I don't know what's going on. Right now. Six what puts them at 70 or uh, seven times six, 42. So, yeah. Okay. Never mind. I'm switching. I'm, guys, just bear with me for a second. I'm going, I'm going to go 42 to 10, Notre Dame. Um, it's the exact score I had. Uh, well, there you go. Okay. I'll go 49 to 10 then. So you can take 42 <laughs> to 10. I'll say they get seven touchdowns instead of six. 
I kind of want to switch it up now because I feel like there has to be a field goal in there, right? 45 10. Is that is that fair? 45 10? So you have a you have a field goal in there? Yeah, 45. Yeah, some action. <laughs> yeah, the groupie needs it. Um fair. he's had he struggled actually the last ball. couple of weeks based off of what, what he was doing early on in the year. Yeah, give him a solid make. Maybe it's in the fourth quarter, hoping touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Put it away early. Let me enjoy my day. It's a noon kickoff for me. It's early for you, isn't it? That's 9 a.m. out there. 9 a.m. kickoff, yeah. Oof. Same, same as the same as the Syracuse one. So that's I don't mind it though. Here. I don't mind. I, yeah, I don't I won't drink probably until after the game or or not at all. But <laughs> um I don't mind a, I don't mind a 9 a.m. start time. I mean, even noon's too early for me to be cracking a beer, I think. So Yeah, probably. Probably. But uh all right. Well, Especially with the UFC card that night, man. That's gonna be a late night for me. Well, and that's 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 why it's big for me. It's like get get the game out of the way. I can focus on, you know, doing what I gotta do at night. Actually, I think me and my wife are going on a date night. So nice. Know, we'll probably gather our anniversary is next week and Saturday. It's just an easier way to do it. So we're gonna go do some stuff and I think we're gonna go to a steakhouse at night. So get get the Notre Dame out of out of the way so I don't have to worry about that during the during uh you know the during date night and stuff like that so my anniversary is in two weeks man congrats there you go there you go so all right anything else anything else before i know we want to get out of here i know you have some stuff to do but you want to oh let's say basketball real quick did you already kind of touch on that well so obviously today was national signing day for pretty much the olympic style sports uh basketball signed the three-man class of uh, marcus burton brady dunlap and parker parker friedrichson um, or Fredrickson, I always forget exactly how he pronounces it, but it sounds, but whatever, we'll leave it at that. They signed the three-man class that they had have, have had committed for the last, you know, month or two now. Um, no surprises there, but they also start their, uh, you know, their season campaign tomorrow against Radford. Um, and uh, Radford, as some people might know, is actually a pretty solid program. I think they held, um, I forget who they played earlier this week, but I, and I forget if it was a uh, their first game of the season or if it was a, like a exhibition or something like that, but they played pretty well against a, uh, a pretty damn good D one opponent. So it's definitely not a cakewalk first game for Notre Dame, um, but they start on, they start tomorrow. Um, and is it going to be on TV? I think it's ESPN three or whatever. So if you have, I'd like to watch. Yeah, no, I, that's the one thing. So anybody who actually is wondering about that, if you have ESPN three or ESPN plus or anything like that, you should get most of the Notre Dame games. Cause I think it's on the ACC network. Um, Good to know. So, um, but but not all the games for well, so most of the games are ACC network for Notre Dame basketball, but you can also find them on the SPN app. So it's very, very, very handy. Um, that's where I end up watching most of mine. And it's uh you can get like 95% of the Notre Dame basketball games. So it should be pretty easy to get to if you if you have that app. In random things like a random Thursday night game against Radford is what I miss about living in the South Bend area. For those that don't know, I moved to Indianapolis area about three or four months ago. And yeah, because I would get random tickets. You know, people don't want to go, old people, whatever. I just have, I naturally know more people in the South Bend area that don't really care about Notre Dame basketball until it's a big game. And a lot of times there really isn't a bad seat in there. So I get to watch uh, Notre Dame Radford. I'd love to see JJ Starling's first bucket, but it's all right. We move. I'm excited to excited to watch them on TV. Should be a, a fun, exciting team. I'm, I'm I have big expectations for this team. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's maybe not the best down low presence team, um, but you got Nate Lashewski back. It looks like um, Van Allen Lubin is going to get a lot of playing time this year. But I'm intrigued by 
Um, I'm actually very intrigued by just what else is going to go on with this team. Obviously, you have the the strongholds in, you know, like I said, Leshevsky's back, Dan Goodwin, Cormac Ryan, Trey Wirtz is back. They brought in Marcus Hammond, who's a grad transfer. You have those guys that have just played a lot of college basketball. And then you mix it in with the two stud freshmen in J.J. Starlin and Van Allen Lubin. Maybe we see some J.R. Konietzny. I'm not exactly sure. He There's been some rumors he could redshirt, but then he played a lot in their, you know, their exhibition game. So I'm not 100% sure what's going to go on there, but it looks like he was actually trending closer to maybe being that like eighth man in the rotation. Um, maybe you see Matt Zona to give them another, you know, big man presence besides Leshevsky and Lubin and specifically because Lubin's a freshman. Maybe you want to give him some time here and there to kind of just recuperate after a bad series or something like that of, of play. So um, it'll be interesting. Right. Say again. Rare for Bray to even get to to an eighth guy, right? Yeah, well, maybe not rare. He's usually I I always like to say like seven and a half. He usually has a solid seven man rotation, and then in some years he goes full eight. Um, and occasionally he's gone more than that when he's really really had to. And then most years though he's at that like seven and a half margin where it's like he has his seven man rotation, and then he has this one guy that will like maybe not play every game, but. Or, or maybe only just play like that five to 10 minutes, if that. And I'm okay with that. If you have seven, as long as you have maybe one or two guys that can get in there and just play like five minutes here and there, get their foot wet or get their feet wet. Maybe next year they become bigger contributors. Um, or if someone goes down for a game or two, those guys can step in and be solid. So that's kind of what I'm hoping. But I, I, I hope he has a legitimate eight-man rotation. But like you said, it is Mike Bray and it's – Wishing on that is like wishing for Notre Dame to be Clemson every Saturday. So, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I, I think so. What while we got it, we got a couple minutes here finishing up. What are your <laughs> realistic expectations for the season? And maybe what are your high, your high low? What is the, what is the ceiling for this team and what is the floor? Yeah. So, I mean, I honestly think that their floor is a tournament team. I think they're okay. just, there's too many, there's too many guys. I mean, obviously outside of like some major injuries, if they lose like two guys to season ending injuries, then, you know, all bets are off. So maybe I have to go a little bit more realistic on the floor, but assuming health, I, I really think that this bare minimum is, you know, you're talking like a 10, 11 seed type of thing, but their ceiling in all honesty, I think because of how veteran they are, I'm not going to go ahead and say that they're going to go win the, the ACC regular season, but let's just say they were like the three or four seed or even the two seed in the ACC, which they were last year. So it's not something that you probably, you could definitely get to that this year because I think they have a better squad um, overall. I could easily see them winning the ACC tournament and being a top five seed and, you know, making a sweet 16 or elite eight run. I mean, I really do think that this team has that level of potential. Um, some people might think that that's wishful thinking, but we know that when brace teams get old, they tend to be very good. And this team's a very old team mixed in with some very good, talented youth. So I'm not going to go as far to say that they're a 2015 level squad, which was elite eight, but probably the best team in the country when they did end up losing and I'll die on that Hill saying it, but I think it's a team that could very easily get to that level. If a few things fall their way and, you know, who knows, maybe Starling just ends up being an absolute dog. I mean, it's just, it's possible. Yeah, it is absolutely possible. And um, for those that follow Nathan and I for football coverage or opinions, thoughts, whatever, um, 
mute Nathan now if you aren't about the Dane Goodwin propaganda. That will be a, a, a daily thing, for better or for worse. Uh, I'm on board, but some people aren't. Dude, that was so funny last year when I would tweet about him, and there were just there were they he had his haters for sure, but. There were more people that liked him. I remember, I think it was Tim O'Malley commented on one of my tweets. I said, like, why are, like, I said something about people hating on Dane Goodwin, and he was like, why? Like, why would anybody hate on Dane Goodwin? I mean, first of all, he shoots, he's a lights out shooter. So you guys can just mute this podcast right now because I'm about to go on a tangent about Dane Goodwin now that Mason got three minutes. But uh, he's a lights out shooter. Honestly, at times last year, I called him the best mid range player in the country. Um, Cause he really did. He really did. He'd pull up from anywhere and, and make shots. And then on top of that, he has that grittiness to him. He's not dirty, but he's not afraid to kind of get in your grill. If you do something wrong. And like, I know that there's other players out there. I think it was Barstool had a thing about him a few years back and it wasn't anything about him, like tripping guys or anything like that, or spitting in people's faces, like, you know, like a Grayson Allen might do, but he he's definitely someone who's willing to get in there. And and mix it up a little bit, and I love that. I mean, I think you you threw out there that you heard a rumor that he like threw a threw a punch in the preseason game, and it got kind of debunked. Yeah, I had a buddy at the game, and I don't know if he was just kind of exaggerating. It was confirmed to be like some sort of scuffle, but I don't know if that was a a punch, an elbow, a strike. But Goodwin has a career in the UFC, maybe. Yeah, so he's definitely a guy that uh, when when if there's a ball on the ground, he'll probably be in the mix. Which, yep. which I love because he just that he's he's definitely like outside of Bonzi Colson, he's fast becoming probably my second favorite player ever for Notre Dame basketball. Yeah, good one, man. I tell you, sneaky athletic. Uh, he's a lunch pail guy. He's the first one in, last one out. Just the kind of guy that you want on your team, but you don't want to play against. He's just real tough, uh, just real gritty. Yeah, no, I love that you did that because of the Pat Connaughton stuff, which it might actually fit Dan Goodwin a little bit more than it does Pat Connaughton, but. Um, yeah, not a guy that I think has a, a career in the in the NBA, but definitely a career overseas. So, all right, guys, no let's get out of here. Um, like I said, we'll 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 start talking a little bit more basketball for you guys now that the season is is underway, starting tomorrow. But uh, um, I'm actually hopping on a spaces here in a little bit, which you guys won't know until you know whenever I release this, whenever I release the podcast. But um, but yeah, no, follow us, uh, Mason Plumber underscore. Uh, Nathan underscore Erbach, obviously at Golden Homers on Twitter as well. Please follow that as that's where you're going to get most of our content. Um, but yeah, no big week against Clemson, big recruiting weekend, basketball starting up. So a lot of, a lot of things to really look forward to for, for Notre Dame, even the women's, I think they won their first game. They're ranked ninth in the country. So, so they're uh, that, that if you, if you do like your women's basketball and I know a lot of Notre Dame fans do, there's someone to follow as well. So thanks for, thanks for tuning in guys and go Irish. Go Irish.